0: So as we prepare to study God's Word today, I want to ask you to be thinking about the truth. The truth is good. The truth is important. We need facts, right? I think we would all agree to that. We need to know what's right and what's wrong. We need to know facts. We need to know, we need to know the truth. Truth is vital. Truth is crucial. But sometimes we don't like the truth, right? Think about it. I saw myself in a photograph this week. And I liked the way my wife looked, I liked the way my son looked, I didn't like the way I looked. (laughs) I think I probably said out loud by myself, Pat, you look terrible. (laughs) But it's a true image of what I look like. Um, Sometimes I don't even want to look in the mirror, I just prefer not to look in the mirror. But the mirror tells the truth about how I look. We're not even going to talk about scales. okay? Um, it's it's fun to buy things, it's fun to get new things, order things, but then the truth of the statement comes. um, And your balance or lack thereof is true. It's good that you know that, it's important that you know that, but I might might not necessarily like to know it. Things are not altogether different in the spiritual realm when it comes to the church. Because in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, it says that the church is the pillar of the truth. The pillar and support of the truth. And no doubt, in the context of 1 and 2 Timothy, it's not talking about truth in general. Uh, It's talking about the truth of the gospel, the truth regarding salvation in Christ for sinners... And it's true, it's good, it's right, and the church is called, our identity as a church, because we are a church, is wrapped up in being the pillar of the truth, that we, we hold the truth of the gospel high. Uh, it also uses the word support or buttress uh, for stability, so we not only promote the truth and hold it high, the truth about Christ, we also are committed to even to defending it. We're all about the truth of the gospel if we are a true and legitimate church. The truth about Jesus. The good news about Jesus. That we need to tell people that if you want to be forgiven of your sins, if you want to be accepted by God, you need the truth. The truth about Christ. That he lived a perfect life. That he died a sinner's death. Though he never sinned. He was raised from the dead on behalf of everyone who would ever trust in him. It's, It's the truth. There's a reason why we say gospel truth because there's nothing greater than the truth of the gospel. It's what we're about. It has to be what we're about. And yet, just like the fact that I don't always like the truth regarding mirrors and photographs and those kinds of things, sometimes people don't like the truth of the gospel. And sometimes people don't like it because, and so they're indifferent. Other times, they don't like it to the degree they're hostile. And it's hard then for the church to be churchly. It's hard for the church to be a true church for very long when the pressure gets too high. And that seems to be what's going on in the heart and mind of young Pastor Timothy in Second Timothy. And we are studying 2 Timothy as a church. It's easy to find. You can find it on your phone if you need to. You can find it in your Bible. 2 Timothy, we're in chapter 3. And by, by now, many of you have already heard it, but I'll remind you, Paul is imprisoned, imprisoned in Rome. Uh, he's been imprisoned before because of the gospel, the truth. But he's imprisoned in Rome and this will be his last imprisonment because he will die. He will be executed. And he's writing to Timothy as he's passing off the scene and as he's passing on the heritage of the gospel to Pastor Timothy, who's pastoring in a city called Ephesus, this last letter, last words. Timothy, this is crucial. Timothy, this is vital. And we've already seen in Second Timothy these flavors of Timothy being less than resolute, maybe we can say. And, and, and wondering, maybe wandering a little bit, and no doubt that would reflect what's happening in the life of the church too. So I think it's really healthy for us, it's healthy for me as a pastor, it's healthy for our pastors, it's healthy for us as a church, because the pressure is always there even though we love Christ and we think the truth is wonderful and amazing and we love to preach the gospel to unbelievers and believers alike. We always are faced with the reality, are we gonna do it again? Are we gonna do it tomorrow? What happens when people aren't very happy that we're Christians? What happens when people aren't very happy when we're a gospel promoting, gospel protecting church? And when they're against us, sometimes it causes us to say, should we change? Um, should we change the gospel? Uh, should we change what we do? Should we change our focus? Um, because there's always the pressure, always the pressure to be liked, always the pressure to be accepted. And so I hope this really helps us. Maybe I'm just doing this for me, Um, but I think it can help us as a church so that we can stay a true church. So chapter three, verses 10 to 17, we started this last week and I will review, but I promise you, I don't want to be that pastor. Okay. I've literally sat through sermons where it's 45 minutes of review and five minutes of new stuff. I mean, if I did that, I could get a part-time job. Um, so I'll review and give you new stuff along the way, and it won't be 45 minutes, I promise. We're going to get to the last portion of this passage, and that'll be the new stuff today. But I want to bring people along who weren't here last week, and I want to give those of you who were here last week a review with some new stuff, but we'll go faster, I promise. But it really goes together as a passage. And so if you, you would like an outline, we're going to highlight five apostolic reminders. Because Paul's an apostle and he's passing off the scene. He's reminding Timothy of what he already knows to be true. So five apostolic reminders essential for steadfastness. If we're going to be steadfast, if we're going to be resolute and firmly planted as a church promoting the truth of the gospel, here are some reminders of things that need to be true and that are true. Okay, so we'll review the first four then we'll look at the fifth one which is new and I can hardly wait to get to the fifth one So number one the first reminder from Paul to Timothy by extension How about from from Paul to us because i'm a pastor like timothy and we're a congregation like the ephesian congregation So it's not that hard to bridge the gap number one choose your mentors wisely choose your mentors wisely choose your influencers wisely by way of review, look at verse 10. You, by way of contrast, it even says, but you in the King James. But you, Timothy, not like the false teachers we just learned about in the verses before, but you as a true pastor, a legitimate pastor, but you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, and sufferings. So just by way of reminder, Timothy, as you're thinking about maybe uh, doing things a bit differently... Remember, there's been a history there in your life, and you followed me, and you know that I'm not a faker. You know that I'm not in it for the money. You know I'm not in it for the prestige or the fame. You know about all the persecutions. You, you know that I've preached the gospel, and tons of people have been converted and have been thrilled. And you know that I've preached the gospel, and tons of people have not been converted and have not been thrilled. It's why he puts the persecutions down and the hostility down. It's good news. It's the truth of the gospel. But you know not everybody wants to hear it. And just stop for a moment, you know, moment of of being in touch. It's no wonder not everyone in Ephesus is thrilled with the gospel if you just stop and think about it for a moment and think about my life. I'm your mentor. And if you just stop and remember what's happened in my life, you'll have this, you know coming back to Jesus moment of reality. Sometimes we think that if people aren't happy with what we're saying, what we're saying is not true. Now, maybe sometimes that is the case. But it's not the case when it comes to the truth of the gospel. Timothy, don't listen to the other religious leaders. I've talked about them in chapter 3. Some of them have walked away from the truth And sure, they're still talking about God and they're still talking about church and and religion and maybe even Jesus, but it's not the right deal. It's not the right Jesus. It's not the right gospel. So be careful regarding who you're listening to. And I don't think Paul is here, you know, Mr. Proud, I've always done everything right. But he is pointing to his life And his commitment to proclaiming and protecting the truth of the gospel as a good example to Timothy. Timothy, choose your influencers wisely. You know I'm the real deal. There's no doubt what he's getting at. You know what I believe. You know how I believed it. You know why I believed it. Let's move on now by way also of review to the second reminder from the Apostle Paul to Timothy. I hope it's a good reminder to us, and that's persecution is guaranteed. Persecution is guaranteed. We see this here in verse 12. I doubt any of you have this on a plaque on your wall, um, crocheted or not, or on your desk. But I I think there's probably a niche niche market for it. Maybe the pactum will put something up. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted hope that's not your life verse, okay? <laughs> but But it's a promise. It's true. We learned it from Jesus. I won't take the time to reread the verses from last week. Paul learned it from Jesus. And Timothy, let me just remind you about me, what faithful gospel ministry looks like. Sometimes people are thrilled because the words of eternal life and other times, people aren't thrilled at all, and it's hostility, and it might en- you might end up like I'm going to end up. Just as a quick aside, and to give you something new, uh, Timothy is mentioned as my memory serves me in the book of Hebrews in a positive light. So, for wondering, you know, where did Timothy um, end up, in, in his maybe uh, waffling just a little bit it seems that the Spirit of God uh, empowered Timothy even through these reminders and he was faithful in the end, just so you know. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That's true of every single one of you if you're a Christian. And it's true of me and it's true corporately for Omaha Bible Church. If everybody likes us, there's probably a problem. If nobody likes us, there's probably a problem, right? (laughs) But we could have perfect or or wonderful motives and and we could preach the gospel with joy and eagerness and true love and, and earnestness and care and love for people. And it doesn't mean everybody's going to say that's good, that's right. We know that to be true because Jesus actually did have perfect motives. And he actually did it with perfect joy and enthusiasm and love and care. And they said, crucify him. None of us are going to be as good at proclaiming the good news as the good one was. But even at our best, we have to know there's going to be acceptance because God uses the preaching of the gospel to draw people to himself, but there there's going to be opposition. And if there's not opposition, there's something that, that's wrong. Number three, by way of review, a third reminder for steadfastness in life and ministry for you and for this church. And that is degeneration will progress. Degeneration will progress. Sounds awkward because the reality is awkward. How about verse 13? While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. I just think that, that statement sounds like a big mess because it is a big mess. Thing, things are going to be bad and sometimes things are going to be worser or worse. Faithful gospel ministry doesn't mean everything's going to get better. In fact, in this particular case, apart from the Lord Jesus Christ returning, things aren't going to get better until that actually happens which is pretty fascinating to think about. You might be tempted to think, well, if we just keep preaching Christ and we just keep preaching the gospel, the world's going to get better and better. It's not the flavor we get from, from our passage. Faithful truth preaching. Gospel truth proclaiming. But just know it's in the context, Timothy, that things are going to go from bad to worse. And deception is going to be rampant even in the name of God. I'm I'm interpreting this in light of the verses that came before our text. I would say even in the name of God, even in the name of church, there's some bad things that are going to happen. And and I've confessed to you before, and I'll do it again, sometimes it makes me not want to be a pastor because I don't want to have people think that I'm one of those guys. Maybe you felt that as a Christian. The last thing I want to be is associated with that clown who's in it for the money, who's in it for the fame, who's in it for the power or prestige or whatever it is. I'm like, what? Ugh. Timothy, be faithfully committed to the truth of the gospel. All of this is leading to chapter 4-2 and he's going to say, be the herald of the word, the gospel word. But Timothy, do it, even in the context of maybe God speak people really being deceivers. It doesn't mean you quit. You got to keep doing it. And in one sense, you say, all the more you've got to do it. But there's something in me that wants to say, I don't want to do that. Let's move on to another one by way of review. Number four, fourth reminder for steadfastness in life and ministry. Number four, continuance is expected. Continuance is expected. And really, I just was illustrating that. I got ahead of myself in my thinking. Verse 14, but as for you, so he does the same kind of thing again. By way of contrast, not like those other guys, but as for you, but you Unlike the imposters, continue. There's the continuance. Continue. Keep going. Be resolute. Don't stop. Stay focused. Stay moving forward. Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. No doubt he's talking about the gospel. You just have to keep going. Keep pressing on. Don't lose focus. Don't lose sight of what you are if you're a pastor of a church Continue, 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 continue. It's gospel, 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 gospel. Truth about Christ. You just keep going, no matter what. We can't do um, ministry drift. We we, we we can't do that. Keep doing it, knowing from whom you have learned it. And we learned, uh, we've we've learned. He's learned. I'm saying learned a lot, right? Chapter one, verse five. Uh, his mother and grandmother but we should also include chapter 1 verse 1 Paul's an apostle and he keeps pointing to himself not to be a braggart but to show that the spirit of God has worked through him and he is an apostle so rem- you've you learned it from, in your home you you learned it from me as your mentor but maybe now we can add to that you've also learned it if we look at verse 15 you've learned this from the God of the Bible Continue, continue, continue. And remember where you've learned this. Yes, grandma and mom. Yes, me. But you've learned the truth about the gospel from the God of the Bible. Look at it in verse 15. This is extraordinary. Verse 15, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. That's a synonym for scripture. That's a synonym for the Old Testament. That's a synonym for Bible. From childhood you have been acquainted with these sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And we're going to get to the 316 passage when we get to our fifth point. Uh, All scriptures inspired by God. He's already talking about that though here. Timothy, remember where you learned the gospel. Remember where you learned the truth about Jesus. You learned it from... The Bible. You learned it from the Old Testament. You learned it from the sacred writings. And, and he's, he's drawing upon something that he knows Timothy believes. Timothy. Yeah, grandma and mom, yeah, me, but you know what? You can just go back to the Bible. And you've known for a long time that the Old Testament will make you wise for salvation, gospel talk in Jesus, the Messiah. That's cool on a lot of different levels. And maybe we'll talk about some of the levels, but for now, just the, 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 the obvious one is, continue, Timothy. Keep going, Timothy. Don't veer to the left or to the right. Keep doing gospel ministry. Keep proclaiming Christ. Keep promoting and protecting the truth regarding salvation in Christ for the people in the city of Ephesus. If they need saving, and the Lord knows they do, where are you going to turn? Continue in the path you know to be true. It's the biblical path. Salvation. Where do we learn about salvation? From the stars? No. We learn about salvation from studying history. Well, maybe that kind of really, but we learn about salvation from scripture. And then we learn about it from history in that sense. As you're thinking about doing things differently, Timothy, or being tempted to do things differently, I'm calling you to remember where you learned about the gospel. You learned about the gospel from the sacred writings, and by way of application, we, we need to continue to be a church that doesn't just say we're a Bible church and we're a gospel-preaching, gospel-protecting church. We need to actually remember to continue that actually that's what the Bible talked about all along. Continuance, continuance, continuance. What I mean, just think. If, if you would would you would you ponder and contemplate and and meditate on what verse fifteen is actually saying because it 's pretty grand the sacred writings salvation the sacred writings talk about faith in christ jesus that 's what he says old testament that 's what he says, and we could do a whole long consideration of this we won't but yeah all of those types all of those shadows and the sacrificial system and the, the spotless lamb and the Passover lamb and in anticipation of something greater Moses spoke of me Jesus says Moses the mediator leading the people as they're redeemed out of Egypt of course, ever since Genesis chapter 3 and the promise of salvation, it's been unfolding and progressing. And, and we, get, we get more help, we do, from, from the New Testament in putting the pieces together and seeing how it works. It's always been in anticipation that there is a David and he's a great king, best of the kings, and he's not the ultimate king. He's not the ultimate one in the line of David. It's so good. I think we should maybe even learn a thing or two about how to read the Old Testament from 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 15. <clears throat> Probably a pretty good idea. He's the one. So as far as continuance is concerned, what does the first century in church in Ephesus need? They need you to stick to the script, Pastor Timothy. They need you to keep teaching the gospel from the Bible, Timothy. That's what the people need. They need saving. And where is salvation found? In Christ Jesus, according to the written revelation. Timothy, you don't need to, to use phrases that we use today in churchianity. You don't need to re-envision what it means to do church. Timothy, you you don't need to give the people the first century equivalent to TED talks with biblical proof texts supporting. Okay, Timothy, you don't need to take surveys to find out what people are really looking for in Ephesus. And if we can just find out what the people in Ephesus are really looking for, then we'll just structure church life around that. And boy, won't we be successful? You get the idea, Timothy. Continue, continue, continue. And where does it come from? It comes from the biblical text. And who is it about? It's about Christ Jesus because it's in Him and Him alone that you find salvation. That's easy for us to apply. That's easy for us to apply in the 21st century because it's again and again and again all of this crazy talk about how we're supposed to do church. Even that is crazy talk. Stick to the script. Continue, 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 continue. Now, we don't only have the Old Testament. We have the New Testament. But what does the Bible teach about salvation? That's the question. And salvation, the Bible teaches, is found by faith in Christ Jesus. Guess what we should talk about? Guess what we should emphasize? Guess what Omaha, Nebraska, and those of you who came from Iowa, guess what people need, right? They need salvation. Even if they don't know they need salvation, that's what they need. And guess where it comes from? We know it comes in and through the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and how do we know about its details? How do we know what's actually true about Christ? How do we know it's not true about Christ? You get the, the idea of that. It's, it's what the Bible says. Continue, continue, continue. That's such a great word for Pastor Pat Abendroth. And it's such a great word for us as a local congregation. Continue, 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 continue. It's where it's at. And I would suggest if we don't continue to borrow from what happens with Jesus in the book of Revelation, the lampstand, the light gets extinguished. And before you know it, we're not actually really a church. Because the church is the pillar and the support of the truth regarding Christ. Okay. I told you I'd give you some new stuff. Number five. It leads right into number five. Complimentary statement. Fifth reminder for steadfastness in life and ministry is scripture is sufficient. Scripture is sufficient. And we've already been, I've already been alluding to this. But here comes that grand statement that many of us know well. Verse 16 says, all scripture. He's talking about the Old Testament at this point in time, at least primarily. But interestingly enough, I, we won't take the time to go there, but even Peter in 2nd Peter is referring to Paul's writings as scripture. So, but we don't have all of the New Testament yet, but E- equal, e- e- equality is going on acknowledged within the bible itself all scripture is breathed out by god that's a great straightforward literal kind of translation uh, i memorized it as all scripture is inspired by god that's fine but it can be confusing for 21st century readers because we think oh it's all inspired by god because it's it's inspiring and scripture is pretty inspiring um, but literally it's God breathed. It's two Greek words put together as one God breathed out. It, it's emphasizing uh, divine origin. It comes from God. It's true. We can cross reference to second Peter. It's true. God works through different people at different times, different personalities, different cultures, different geographic locations, all of those things. But in second Peter, it talks about how God is controlling the whole thing. So Paul can say what he says, divine origin, all of it. So already you see what, you see the argument. If that's true, why would we do something different? If that's, if that's really true, if the Bible is really divinely originated, if you will, coming from God, if that's actually true, why, why would we not do, why would, why would we preach something different? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. It's kind of interesting. Lots of pastors say they believe the Bible is God's word, but I don't think they really do because they preach something different. Lots of churches say, we believe the Bible is God's word. I don't think they actually believe that because if they actually believe that, they would say, Pastor, would you please preach from the Bible? They would demand it. And so we we, we don't want to be that way. We want to say, if the, if it's actually the word of God, let's not... Do ministry. Let's not do church according to the latest poll. Let's do life and ministry and gospel proclamation according to the Bible because it alone is God's special revelation to us. Timothy, stick to the script. The scripture is sufficient for you to know how to do gospel ministry. That's what he's saying. It's important. It's powerful. It's strong. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Lots going on there. Let's start with the man of God. he's, He's not being sexist. Man of God is a technical label from the Old Testament for the preacher, for the prophet. The one who speaks God's revelation, if you will. So he's borrowing from the Old Testament world. Timothy would know exactly what he's talking about. You are the proclaimer. You are the preacher. And what do you preach if you're a true prophet, if you will, if you're in the line of the long line of of prophets, if you're the true one, you preach God's word, not your own word. That's what he's getting at. But we know by way of application, he's the pastor of the church at Ephesus. And so he's going to tell the people at Ephesus all of these things. So by extension, by way of application, we would always say, right, it also helps Omaha Bible Church as it helped the Ephesian church to be reminded that they should do gospel ministry according to special revelation in the scripture, and you don't need to go elsewhere because it will equip you for gospel ministry in every way necessary. That's what he's saying. And it's a statement of sufficiency for every, uh, complete, equipped for every good work. He's using uh, metaphorical language for first century uh, equipping of rescue boats. So if you have to be on a rescue mission in the Mediterranean, let's say, in the first century, and you've got to go out and help somebody, you go on the rescue boat, if you will, but you have to have the boat properly outfitted. You've gotta have the right gear. You've gotta have the right kit, right? For your boat to go out and help people on your, on your nautical rescue mission. And I don't know what those things are, you know, rope and I have no idea. But, but that's the image that he's using. And it's a good image because what are we doing as a church? We are on a rescue mission. Right? We, we, we are helping people with their greatest need. And as we preach Christ to help people to be rescued from the wrath of God and their sins, guess what? Our rescue boat, if you will, is properly outfitted from what the Bible says. We've got the gear that we need. We don't need to somehow make up new gear to figure out what the gospel is and what the gospel isn't and how the gospel works who Jesus is and who Jesus isn't adequate or complete equipped for every good work I love it oh, I just love the image we don't need to try to be novel we don't not need to try to be um, creative the scripture tells us the truth about Jesus tells us the truth about human beings. tells us the truth about how the gospel works and helps people. Stick to the script. The scripture is sufficient. It's good. I love it. I so love it. But can we just... Put that to to bed, so to speak, and and just say some things that are related. But that's the gist of it, no doubt, because here's what's going to happen in chapter 4. In chapter 4, he's going to solemnly charge Timothy, which is just such a classic, awesome passage we'll look at next week. And then the command to carry all the commands in chapter 4, verse 2 is preach the word. Preach the word about Christ, I think, in context. Preach the word that's special revelation, scripture in the context, which actually has Christ as the centerpiece in the context. Why in the world would you ever, on God's green earth, preach something other than the word, if it's sufficient? That's where it's going, and it's gonna be great and awesome, and in one sense I wanna close in prayer now and say, as an aside, But let's not close in prayer. Let's have an aside, knowing kind of where things are already headed. Please notice, I don't think the Bible's claiming to be sufficient for everything. Might make you uncomfortable to hear me say that. I don't think you think the Bible claims to be sufficient for everything. It wasn't sufficient for putting new brakes on my truck. I had to pay, I don't remember now, if it was 500 and some dollars or 700 and some dollars. And though my mechanic has a Bible in the shop, I don't think he cracked the Bible to figure out how to do new brakes on my truck. Even though there's a nautical image used here, I don't think the Bible has a lot to say about sailing in the first century. I don't think the Bible is sufficient for Gourmet cooking. Though we can eat shrimp now, so it does say that. I don't think the Bible teaches much at all about how to score goals or hit home runs. It doesn't teach English grammar. It's pretty obvious in my public speaking. (laughs) Molly and I were talking about this whole insufficiency thing yesterday, and our dog Ozzy, his... Become disobedient, and she wants to go outside all of the time just because she knows she gets a treat when she comes in. <laughs> and I said, "Case in point, uh, Molly, the Bible doesn't say much about how to train dogs. It does say beware of the dogs. I mean, so everything the Bible says about any of these things is true, but it doesn't tell. There's lots of things it doesn't tell us." I think that's actually important because when Christians have taught that the Bible tells us everything about everything, they've interpreted the Bible in really funky ways. To put it nicely, and inevitably what ends up happening is now the church knows best about everything. And now the church is supposedly called to preach about everything. Because we are the best at everything. Because we have Bibles. And then invariably what happens is we don't focus on preaching the main thing. Which is wisdom unto salvation in Christ Jesus. Chapter 3 verse 15 that carries the day into 316 and 317. All scriptures inspired by God and profitable for teaching algebra? No. The truth about Christ and things that relate to the gospel. Reproof? That's, that's ob- objectionable telling people that they're wrong about everything? No, but certainly true about the, the realities that have to do with salvation of the gospel. Teaching reproof correction, the positive side of it about everything? No training about every dog training no (laughs) training in righteousness in god's law how god's law works to condemn how god's law works to point you to christ who fulfills the law uh how god's law works in the life of the christian who's in christ and now is to follow god's law because they're not condemned anymore training in righteousness understanding how this whole thing works I, w- I would submit to you that we should interpret three sixteen and 17 in context. And it's going to help us. It's really going to help us. I don't want to be a broken record here to those of you who come to Theology for Breakfast, because we talk about this a lot, but lots of you aren't at Theology for Breakfast. We have to remember that God, if we read the Bible, we'll conclude things like this. God, God has two volumes in his Revelation library. And I don't mean the book of Revelation. He has two volumes in his Revelation library. Volume number one, special revelation. Scripture. Special revelation. Scripture. It belongs to God. It comes from God. But there's another volume in his Revelation library. And we would call that not special revelation. We would call that, starts with a G. We call it general revelation. Right? The creation. The created order. The way the world is as God made it. Both volumes actually belong to God and both volumes are, are actually important. And so let's not pretend like he only has one volume. He has two volumes and, and general revelation is also good to learn things like how to do dog training. <laughs> okay? And common sense things. This is why Proverb. Proverbs 6 six says, go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. The Bible says, go outside of the Bible to learn some things about life. Go to the ant. Go to general revelation to learn some things about how life works. So our conference in the fall is going to be on God's good law. No doubt we'll have some sessions, at least a session, on natural law. And it'll be important to learn things like learn from the ant because natural law is good because we have special revelation and general revelation. No doubt, Timothy, Paul to Timothy's emphasizing, talking about the church, and he's talking about the need to do gospel ministry according to special revelation. And you don't need a new vision, you don't need help from the outside, you don't need to consult what people are looking for to do gospel ministry, you've got to stick to the script of special revelation, Christ and His Word, to know how to do it. So I don't want to detract from the focus of the of the, the text, but I want you to be thinking wisely about this, clearly about this, so that we cannot be distracted as a church With how to do gospel ministry, we do it according to special revelation, which is where the only place we can learn the truth about Jesus and how salvation works. Hope it helps. We should pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for Second Timothy, and thank you for the fact that you've worked in the lives of others who've gone before us. Thank you for the fact that we know what the gospel is. Therefore, we can know what the gospel is not. Thank you that you've called us and you've given us a passion and you've given us a desire to be clear knowing that you draw sinners to yourself supernaturally through the proclamation of the good news regarding Jesus Christ may we never tire of proclaiming the truth regarding Jesus we know it helps Christians to grow we know that it helps unbelievers obviously to gain eternal life encourage us as we go in Jesus name amen